and welcome to Her Voice, a podcast from The Choice, the media powered by ESCP Business School and dedicated to decision makers. My name is Emily Oliarchuk, and I am from The Choice's editorial team. Her Voice is guided by one really important mission, to give the mic to women experts whose visions have transcended the competitive world of business, shaking things up for the better. Today, you'll be hearing the voice of Caroline Lamotte-Dupont, the board president and head of communications at Anaxigo, an investment firm she co-founded in 2012. Caroline is an ESCP alumna, as well as a member of the France Fintech Association. She was also ranked fourth among the top 100 tech influencers by the Taito Tech 500 Power List in 2020. As one of the top influencers in tech, and patiently waiting for your third child to arrive in the next couple days, I am sure there are many other things you could be doing right now. So I wanted to give you an extra special thank you for taking the time to join me here in the studio. Thank you for uh, inviting me. I'm really happy to be here today. So we'd like to kick off the episode by learning a bit more about the woman behind the voice. And I wanted to start at the beginning. You were only 22 when you decided to create Anaxigo. What was going on in your and your co-founders' heads at that moment? Well, I'd say that um, what was going on in my co-founders' head uh, was it that uh, they really wanted to f- launch a company. They had several ideas over the years, uh, one better than some better than others, mm-hmm. um, and then they came up with the idea of Anaxago while we were still t- students in uh, 2011. Um, we were studying finance at uh, Paris Dauphine Université, um, and uh, crowdfunding was uh, becoming rather famous for uh, funding cultural projects, artistic projects, foundations, and everything. Uh, and uh, the guys found that there was a kind of a loophole in the law here in France, making um, investment by a crowd of people uh, possible at the capital of company. So um, they had this uh, crazy idea that we could launch a platform, an investment platform, enabling everyone to uh, invest in the next Facebook. Um, and they started building up from there. You know, they had the idea and they wanted to build a team. So they gathered four other students, uh, not only students, four other people. Um, and uh, they actually convinced us that uh, the... Uh, entrepreneurial journey was uh, worth taking. As I'm sure you know now, and I'll have some more questions about this for you later, entrepreneurship is not an an easy journey. What inspired you to make that choice? Um, Well, to be honest with you, the choice fell upon me. Um, I kind of took the opportunity to become an entrepreneur as a side project uh, since I was still a student. I was really interested in seeing how uh, how we could launch a company, how we could make our vision come true. Um, and then it, you know, it grew on me. Um, the, the freedom, uh, well, the freedom now because of working at night. I remember I was, uh, you know, I was a student in the, in the ESCP campus campus in, on, in London and I was working as a receptionist uh, yeah. at the I, campus yeah oh, wow. yeah <laughs> I needed I needed a bit of money and so mm-hmm. I was working there and I I, uh, I remember I did my uh, my schoolwork uh, 
during my uh, my hours as a receptionist. And then at night, I would uh, write content and uh, work on the website and work on the investment uh, documents, rereading everything. I've always been the pen of the company. And yeah, it, it really grew on me. And I felt like, okay, I, I never considered this uh, to be my... Um, my my way of um, you know my way of uh, developing my uh, my experience and uh, I think I'm I'm actually designed for this. Let's get to know Anaxigo a little bit more. You have a number of financial products, but you mentioned that crowdfunding is one of your main offers. Just so I'm one hundred percent clear, crowdfunding allows individuals who have the financial capital to invest in a startup or a business of some kind. For example, if I had, you know, let's say a couple hundred to invest, I could do that via crowdfunding. Exactly. I mean, we launched as a crowdfunding platform today. Nowadays, we rather are an investment platform where you can invest, uh, you can become a shareholder of a startup. You can, you can also invest in private equity real estate. You can invest in uh Pepper, Pierre Papier, as we say in French. So nowadays, uh, a platform such as Anaxago is uh, considered an investment platform where you can find a wide range of investment opportunities that wouldn't have been available to private investors in the past few years because uh, the minimum of investment was too high or the risk was too high. Now we offer those all those opportunities and you can invest from 1,000 euros. So mm-hmm. it's really accessible. I mean, people, we have people who invest 1,000, we have people who invest 100, we have people who invest 1 million. Um, the beauty of the, of the model is that it addresses every type of investors. Just to talk about that a little bit more, what did you see exactly that needed to change in the industry and how have you tried to address that? What we felt like needed change was transparency, mainly. The fact that you could see where your money was going when uh, you are a private investor. Uh, And also the sharing of performance. Because there were so many investment opportunities that gave a real uh, edge of performance, but were only accessible to very wealthy people, that we thought that we could really... Uh, offer that to everyone. Are there any other values that have been key to Anexigo's construction and your success? Well, I think yeah, transparency, performance, and accessibility are the three main um, pillars of our company uh, values. Uh, then I'll say that um, we, right from the start, we decided that we needed to be perfect in a way that uh, finance is an industry that values experience so uh, we wanted to be we wanted our documents our investment documents to be to be perfect we wanted our communication to be the best one we wanted our products to be the best one because we felt that being young was not an excuse uh, it was um how do you say that there would be um we were young that was that wasn't an asset not at all i mean we we said for years, we kept saying for years that we were 30 years old, uh, which was uh, really... Uh, you like, told people that you would meet that you were older than you actually are, yeah. were? 40? Is that what you're saying? 30. 30. 30. 30. Okay, no, we, that makes no, more sense. We, we didn't say 30, but we kind of, you know... Didn't say. We're like, yes, I graduated. Yeah. <laughs> Two, months <Sometime>. <laughs> <laughs> Two months ago. Two months ago. Sometimes in the next summer, you know. Um, so, yeah, 
so being uh, irreproachable is uh, is a value that we try to um, we try to um, to to keep going in the in the in the company nowadays. Um, and I'd say, uh, and everybody says that, but client first. We are a client service first company, so uh, client is the most important thing. Hmm. That makes sense. I, in what you were just sharing, it kind of came to me as like a, a counter way of of doing things to this common tagline of Silicon Valley, which was "move fast and break things." And which necessitates a certain lack of perfectionism, I would say, because the goal is moving fast and doesn't mean everything's going to be right. So it sounds a little bit like you moved fast, you were working at night during your studies, but your priority was doing things right the first time. I'd like to circle back to this topic of accessibility in the financial services space, particularly in regard to investing. The investment industry has some challenges in this area regarding supporting women founders. And as you are both a founder and leading an investment firm, we wanted to get your thoughts on this. For example, according to the European Investment Bank, female entrepreneurs in Europe pulled in only 1% of venture capital investment in 2021, though they represent close to one-third of entrepreneurs. Why do you think that is? And are there possible solutions to better support female-led businesses? Well, to be honest, I, uh, it, took me, it took me a while to realize that kind, of, uh, that kind of issues because being young and being a woman in the financial industry has been a huge asset uh, because you are one in a, in, a, in, a, in a sea of men. At the same time, venture capital investment has uh, been a kind of, a, you know, oldish institution. Um, and it's well quite well known that female entrepreneurs uh, struggle to, uh, to get funding. Um, what we see uh, nowadays is that people are more aware of that. But I think that the best way to support female-led businesses is to uh, put women out there. And, uh, and I think... I mean, the, 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 her voice and the choice make a terrific job. And we have so many great models that are actually showing the way. Um, I was thinking about uh, this uh, ESCP alumna, uh, Kitri Matlin. She launched Scalo, uh, a French startup, and uh, she raised a lot of funds. And that's a female-led business. Her, her partner is a, is a woman as well. And that, um, those kind of profile, very high profile, you know, successful ones, um, I think it's the best way to show that investors actually shouldn't be considerate of gender and just invest in a, in a good company. So given that it was an asset for you, what advice would you give to other women entrepreneurs um, so that they seize that asset as well? Well, uh, I would give them the advice my dad gave me when I started my studies. I would encourage women to launch companies in industries that seem governed by men. Uh, and not to be afraid to launch, uh, well, to launch a company in uh, software, in finance, in tech, in deep, in the deep web industry, in uh, crypto, you know, uh, because so many women will um, actually go for what we call, what, what we would address as a woman-led sector, and uh, I think that's uh, that's not the best way to uh, to emerge from the crowd. And uh, for women 
entrepreneurs seeking funding, I would give the same advice I give I give men seeking funding, is that you need to be sure that you want to be in partnership with the people who are gonna who are gonna fund you for the next 10 years because it's really like a marriage. Let's talk a little bit more about the entrepreneurship side of what you did. And entrepreneurship is pretty sexy right now. Mm -hmm. I can say at least from ESUP's perspective, a lot of our students are eager to investigate this career path and we provide a lot of opportunities in that direction, but it is certainly not for the faint of heart. And I think you indicated it indicated that in sharing your story of working at the reception and working on your company at night um, while also doing your schoolwork. So more generally speaking, what are some of the challenges you've had to confront as you founded and grew your business? Looking back 10 years, I can feel that I've worked hard, like really hard. Uh, but there are no, you know, defining moments like very uh where i had doubts and i said okay we should uh, let it go and i i, I tried to, to to really think about it and then i came up with this uh moments that were actually the most triggering for me um as we said at the beginning of the interview we uh, wanted to be uh, profitable very soon we decided to uh, not to raise funds i mean we did raise funds in the summer of uh, 2014, we raised a bit more than 1 million euros. But I remember that the time when I woke up, uh, I, I don't know, it was maybe it was, yeah, it, should, it was 2014 too, because we were still in the very tiny apartment, the, the 17 square meters in the center of Paris where we had our offices. And I woke up and I, you know, first thing I do every morning on my phone is uh, look at... Uh, uh, is look at the press. It's part of my job. And I saw that our main competitor had raised 5 million euros from the most prominent business angels in France and the, more, the most well-known VC funds. And I was like, okay, this is the end. You know, uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I felt totally naked and powerless. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know how many, how much money we had on the bank account at that time, but it wouldn't account too much. And I was like, oh my God, I mean, this is, it, he, he's gonna like, you know, go right past us and, and run for the, run for the prize. And, and it, it happened several times in the last 10 years. I'm happy to say, no, I'm not happy to say because it's not a happy thought, but uh, that those companies actually disappeared, um, which wasn't something you could have bet, on, bet mm -hmm. on at the time. I mean, I think entrepreneurship, from from what I've understood, requires a bit of, I mean, true belief in what you're doing and patience some, as well. <laughs> um you know, as you were just saying, you started off in 17 meters squared apartment, so there were only well, a hand of you. If you're asking Joachim, it was at least 20 seconds, 22 <laughs> meters, if you ask me. When you started, you were a young entrepreneur looking after just yourself, trying to build this business with your co-founders, and now it's grown into one of the top fintech companies in France. How, what does it mean to you to be a leader today? Uh... I'm, I, I'm not sure I'm a leader, to be honest. Um, the, the the thing is that launching a company that young, uh, it means that you've never experienced management. Uh, 
uh, as a manager or as a manager. So um, we made a lot of mistakes. Uh, luckily, we were surrounded by people who were um, here for the adventure. So I think we evolved in a good way, meaning that we became a manager. Uh, I also uh, decided not to be a manager, which was uh, the best choice I've made, I guess, in the last 10 years. Because What do you mean? It took me, it took me years to realize it, to the fact that uh, I, like to be, um, I like to be in the pack, you know, in the middle. Uh, my office is uh, right there in the middle of uh, the, uh, the open space with everyone. And I like to be part of the effort, you know, one warrior into the mm -hmm. roaring machine but being a leader being I mean being the founder of a company I'd rather say means that you have to be uh, you have to be present for everyone I I understand that that for you means not being a manager but I think a lot of the times on the choice we are investigating what it what does it mean to be a leader today mm -hmm. what is what are we expecting of our leaders um, and our managers and I think some of those qualities that you mentioned are moving more in the direction of what what we're looking for because even managers are humans too and we've done some investigations with ESCP professors around for example vulnerability mm -hmm. in leadership um, and when I say leadership I mean it can be a founder of a company but it can also be someone who is you know you make strategic decisions still at work so that is being a leader and things like vulnerability things like being able to know our weaknesses mm -hmm. like you just like you said knowing that you you prefer to be a part of the pack than than a manager in a classic sense um, that fits into the broader definition of leadership that we have today speaking of vulnerability Could you share an example of a challenge that you and your co-founders experienced while growing Anaxigo? Or in, in the spirit of our sister podcast, We All Make Mistakes, perhaps a choice you made that didn't go exactly as planned. Um, I think one of the most common mistakes we made in the early years of the company is uh, when we started to hire uh, high profiles uh, as, uh, as manager. We, um, we didn't consider that we needed to guide them in the job because they were more experienced, uh, sometimes uh, much older than we were. I mean, when you're 25 and you hire someone who's 46, for instance, uh, you kind of expect from them to, uh, to be uh, fully operational. And um, we never quite... At that time, we never quite managed the balance between uh, giving them the the reins of their of their business unit and guiding them at the same time. Yeah, it took us time to figure this out. That's really interesting because we spoke with an entrepreneur during the first season of Her Voice, Anisha Goel, who said that for her, being a founder was learning how to manage people who know more than you do. It seems that no matter where you are in your career, we all still need support, whether from our business leaders or our colleagues. Thank you very much for speaking with us about your experience as an entrepreneur in the financial services industry. Before we wrap up this episode, we'd like to take one more opportunity to be able to learn from you with the question we ask all of our guests, which is... What advice would you give to others who are looking to find their voice? 
Um, I'd like to say that um, if you want to find your voice, you need to find yourself. Um, I've never been one for uh, a self or in, you know introspection uh, in my earlier years. Um, but then I, um, when you are an entrepreneur, especially when you don't have uh, you don't have a guide, you don't have a manager, you don't have someone who you can rely on to ask questions and uh, put yourself into a question. And uh, I actually discovered therapy uh, because of uh, uh, because of my insecurity at work after a few years of being an entrepreneur. Because I, you know, I was kind of running around my myself and. Uh, um, and I, I, I kind of realized that this this decade between your 20s and your 30s is so defining that uh, I needed help to find myself to make sure I was at the right time, at the right moment, at the right place. Um, so I, yeah, I decided to work on myself, which wasn't natural for me. Not, I mean, it's not in, not in my culture. Uh, it's not something that people around me used to do. Uh, but it truly helped me. Uh, finding myself and finding my voice, my voice, and making making sure that I was on the right path. And I know it's not something that people talk about a lot. So you're right. We don't talk about this out in the open very often. Thank you for doing so. It was a pleasure to have you join us on Her Voice. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you all for joining us on this episode of Her Voice, powered by ESCP Business School's Media, The Choice. We appreciate your time and hope you enjoyed learning more about today's fintech industry with Caroline Lameau-Dupont. This just might be the trigger to start investing yourself. In our next episode, Beatrice Borgia will be joining us to tell us all about the many lessons she learned on innovation throughout her outstanding career in genetic engineering and tech. Stay tuned. If you're a keen listener and have already given us five stars or subscribed to the show, don't hesitate to tell other people who might enjoy it as well. Thank you to the team behind Her Voice, my co-producer, Jean Weckler, our agency, You Love Words, and the recording studio, L'Arrière Boutique. <laughs>